Bruce Cook is honored to have you join his conversations with people committed to talking with heart and brain functions in full operating gear. No spin, no agenda, just authentic conversation on just about anything. Welcome to the Bruce Cook Conversation. Former mayor of New Orleans, Mark Morial, who is currently the president of the National Urban League, discusses with Bruce uniting the mayors of the U.S. to tackle the problems facing big cities, such as jobs, money, and infrastructure during the pandemic and beyond. In the second half hour, Katie Alexander, intake manager at New Directions for Women, talks to Bruce about preventing drug and spousal abuse during the pandemic. Live on AMA 30 KLAA tonight, Bruce Cook wraps up the week with talk that's worth tuning into. Sports, people, politics, life, authentic, real and happening now. Here's your host, Bruce Cook. Brought to you by New Directions for Women. We know recovery. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, radio fans here at Angels Radio AM 830 KLAA. Serving Los Angeles, Orange County, the Inland Empire, all over Southern California. I'm Bruce Cook. We have a very interesting show tonight. I think it's something that you're really going to want to tune into. There's a lot to learn out there because there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of confusion. But, you know, we're all doing our best, and that's something we can be proud of. But it takes a lot. It's not just easy to make things come together to correct what we're going through. The dominoes do keep falling. On our show tonight, I have two very special guests. Later in the show, I want to welcome a woman named Katie Alexander, who's joining us representing an organization here in Southern California called New Directions for Women. It's a residential treatment facility in Southern California. It's located in Costa Mesa, California. It's specifically a treatment center for women with addiction problems. We know, we've read about it, we've maybe seen it or experienced it in our own neighborhoods, our own families, that this COVID-19 crisis has exacerbated the use of drugs and alcohol in stressful household situations. Police are reporting much greater uh, incidence of spousal abuse. It's a sad situation. We got to find out what's going on and really learn how to stop it. Katie Alexander comes up later in our show. First up tonight, I want to introduce you to an honored guest coming to us live from New York tonight. He is the former mayor of New Orleans. His name is Mark Morial. Today, he is the president and lead character in the National Urban League, and he's using his skill in dealing with city problems beyond what any of us can we possibly imagine here in Southern California with all that has happened in New Orleans since Katrina to try and bring the mayors of our country's major urban leagues together to form a united force to tackle some of these horrible problems brought on by COVID-19. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mayor Mark Morial. Mark, are you there? Great, I'm right here. You sound good tonight. I've I've somehow gotten a little bit hoarse, so forgive me. I'm going to try and get rid of it with some water. Yeah, get some water. You might. <clears throat> yeah, you've probably been uh, 
working hard and, and talking a lot, and I know that sometimes happens to me. Anyway, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for taking the time to join us Thanks tonight. Thanks for having me this evening, and uh, very much appreciate the chance to talk. What's the biggest problem that you're facing? I know there's a lot of them, but if there was one thing that you could say is our major concern right now in bringing cities together with diverse populations and different problems with this virus, what would it be? I think that we the problem is is the right conditions and the right timing to gradually begin to reopen the economies of our cities. Uh, we have to get people back to work, but it's got to be done in a way that's safe and sound and, and healthy. And today, interestingly, Governor Cuomo here in New York signaled the, the beginning of a process for the gradual reopening of New York with, with some serious conditions involved. And every While every city is different, I think the fundamentals are similar. Uh, you've got to decide who uh, opens first, what the conditions are, and then you've got to closely, closely monitor to make sure that we don't have a, a relapse. Uh, cities also are going to need the support of the federal government to bridge their financial situation over this crisis. Uh, and for those who say, why should we help the cities? Remember, the cities are where policemen work, where firefighters work, where garbage and trash collections take place. Those are functions of city government. The water system is run mainly by city and local governmental agencies. The 911 system, the EMS system, all of those are essential functions. We can't have a situation where all of a sudden cities are doing massive layoffs. We'll compound an already difficult situation. This is a big crisis for this country. It requires extraordinary steps. These times are just not normal. Mark, do you think we're prepared for this? Look, uh, are we sugar coating? Are we sugar coating? Are we being too optimistic? We, 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 let me tell you. We have to be hopeful, but if you ask me, am I concerned? I am concerned. I'm concerned because we've got an unknown enemy. We do not have a vaccine. Uh, there are questions about whether there's sufficient tests available. I know many of my employees uh, have questioned, uh, you know, the conditions and, and the health and safety, and I have some people who are, fall into a more vulnerable category because of pre-existing conditions. Uh, we got to be careful. So I don't think this is about being overly positive or overly optimistic or being a, a, a downer. It's about using common sense, good intelligence, and following the advice of public health experts. Clearly, on a federal level, and of course also on a state and, and community level, America was not prepared for this. Could we not have? At all. Could we have been better prepared? Is there blame to be laid anywhere? So I, I do think that at the national level, they missed the early signals. They didn't react quickly enough. I think that, you know, in this instance, you know, I think less than two months ago, there were only a couple of hundred cases, if that. Now we've got 50,000 people who, who are dead. Uh, a day, a week, two weeks would have made a world of difference. And I think that the federal government got paralyzed, saw the problem, wanted to deny it, didn't confront it, and the clock ticked. 
and it ticked and it ticked and it ticked. And finally, uh, there was a wake-up call, and I, I really believe that the signals were missed. You know, in a crisis, and this is a leadership lesson, you cannot be paralyzed by the unexpected. You can't see something and deny it. You have to swiftly respond, and you have to swiftly confront the issue. You have to bring the best experts together when you're responsible. And this pandemic has the ability to wipe out literally millions of people. Uh, but I do think that the extreme measures that have been taken in this country and across the globe with physical distancing and self-quarantine appear to be making a difference. Uh, but I'm concerned about the future. We all want to be safe and healthy, but we've also got to balance that in that we have to figure out a way to gradually get back to normal. Well, I think you're echoing sentiments of many of your fellow mayors across the country. You mentioned um, Mayor, um, <clears throat> I'm sorry, you didn't mention the mayor of New York, you mentioned the governor of New York, but I think they're realizing... Let me say this about the mayors. I think the mayors have really stepped up, whether it's London, Brita, Garcetti in California. I've had a chance to see them in action to some extent. London Breed uh, was on uh, Face the Nation this morning. She also was one of the first mayors to issue a stay-at-home uh, directive in order in conjunction with seven or eight counties there in Northern California. Uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms in Atlanta, Victoria Cantrell in New Orleans, Lori Lightfoot in uh, Chicago, uh, uh, the mayor of Detroit, the mayor of Philadelphia. These are mayors I had an opportunity to see uh, on television or listen to on the radio or hear uh, either on the Internet or the newspapers. And mayors have really stepped up, and they're on the front line in this crisis, uh, trying to keep their communities safe, trying to ensure that their public health systems are operational. And the governors have stepped up. I think we have we've been a witness to the absolute power of state and local government uh, in this crisis. Yes, we have. Except the problem, as I see it, and as many pundits see it, is that even with all that has taken place, the hope to reopen sooner than later to get people back to work to get the economy functioning again, frankly, even with precautions could have a huge backfire. And again, that is we don't know. Different. Nobody knows. We don't we know. We don't know. And I, I tell you, what I want to hear is that testing is available so we can determine who has this. What I want to hear is, and I'm pray hopeful and prayerful that a vaccine is going to be available sooner rather than later. They say, though, and it's a year off. They say it's a year away, Mark, at least a year well, away. Well, there's, there's, some, there's, some, there's some coverage in the British press. Here in the States, they're saying a year. In the British press, there's some, some coverage, some uh, statements, some information over there that there may be something available for manufacture later this year. I mean, look, I'm not an expert, but I do think I'd like to see the experts, uh, the CDC, or Fauci, give the American people an update, not just little tidbits, but a true update on the process to find a vaccine. I understand that there are 30, if you will, vaccines in process, some process, that there are three that are at the process of being tested on human beings. This is what I've read, this is what I've heard, but I'm not sure 
the absolute uh, source of that information, and, and, you know, we want it to be accurate, but you're right. So we have to be cautious, and, you know, Governor Cuomo uh, today, and I would invite people to take a look at what he said, I think is, 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 is operating with extreme caution. I think he's trying to work on a three-state, uh, three-to-seven-state protocol where all the states in the Northeast are going to figure out a way to do things in conjunction with each other because people move across state lines. They move across county lines. People don't, don't live in just stay in one city or stay in one neighborhood if you get a dynamic reopening of the economy. So I, I urge caution. I urge caution. I want to talk. I want to talk to you about the crossing of state lines and the borders. It's something that you are certainly expert with, but I don't want to get there yet. I still have to ask you something else on our same line of conversation. It seems to me, from what I read and what I see, that there is a very large segment of American of the American people, and frankly, it crosses a lot of cultural and ethnic and political lines. However, it tends to fall more into the conservative camp that disbelieves the numbers. Because when you look at a country of more than 350 million people and you say 100,000 people have contracted the disease or whatever the number is today, and so many have died, they say, well, that's not that many people. I can get back to my life. I can take that chance. What do you say to those people? Are they crazy? Say, Are they I say, real? I say to them that we that, that I really, really have a fundamental problem with people who want to politicize science. And doctors and scientists that we see from a Fauci, who's been very prominent to many others, why should we disbelieve them? Uh, I don't believe they have a political agenda. And I don't think that they have a partisan agenda at all. And I think this denial of the obvious truth is just a ploy and a smokescreen. And it, it's, it's sort of, it sickens me because I don't understand it. It's like, I, it's, it's like people who say the sun is not out. You walk outside the sun, the sun is not out. That's a mirage you see. That's an artificial sun you see. Well, it's denial of the obvious, and it's denial of the truth. And and, and, I, and, I, and I believe, you know, I believe that this is one of these times in American life where, you know, we have our divisions, we have our uh, friction, where the people need to come together. And the people need to understand that this is a contagious disease. It's not about whether I have it, it's about whether I can contract it. Now, if you look at it, the places in America today, I just saw this information, where the numbers are rising. It's not in the big cities. It's in the smaller communities. And uh, what hit New York three weeks ago, a month ago, could hit middle America next month. Well, Mark, it, it has done that. It has done that. We've been very concerned with news about the the different beef plants in the Midwest that are shutting down that supply yes, supply huge sections of yes. of our food. Who expected that to our happen? Food supplies at risk. Yes, our food supplies at risk. There were uh, lines a mile long in South Florida for chicken for people picking up food. I for saw that. Picking up food. We I saw we, that in the urban league movement in several communities. We've done food drives 
and we serve people until the food runs out, and we're serving, in some of these instances, 1,500 to 2,000 people. Well, you know, food insecurity. Here's a very minor comment. And then you hear stories that farmers are throwing away milk. Yeah, that that's that's very disturbing. Morally, very disturbing. Morally, very very disturbing. Indeed, you know the the day that the news last week started announcing that the Smithfield plant uh, was shutting down because of the the huge influxion of COVID-19 and the other plants and other places were closing down. I happened to be going to the market here in Southern California. There was no pork. It was all gone. The very day wow. it was on the news, there was no pork of any kind, wow. no bacon, it no ground pork, how fragile it is, and also how nervous people truly are and how things can turn so quickly. One more oh, question. I, One more I, question I, I think... before we go to break. Mm -hmm. And this is a really tough one. And it's a serious one. But you will know the answer to this if you're going to be able to share it with my listening audience. I have been told, and this is not conspiratorial or political necessarily, but I've been told that our national FBI, in conjunction with the mayors and law enforcement in major urban areas across this country, are very intensely preparing for potential rioting. Is that true or urban legend? I think it's urban legend, but uh, I think it's part of the training and the preparation of most local law enforcement now, and, and most cities now, in their emergency preparedness plans to have a response plan for any form of civil disobedience. You know, I think that there's always a standby plan. It's, it's pretty much standard operating procedure for local police departments. But, you know, I, I you know, I, I want to believe that there's no, quote, special effort underway because that, to me, unless there's some evidence, that, to me, is an act of cynicism. That somehow the American people now what I will say is that the federal government has to continue to invest in the response, has to continue to invest in providing support for workers, support for small businesses, support for state and local governments. It's got to, in effect, bridge people over this troubled water and recognize that the reason why we are staying at home, the reason why we're self-quarantining, the reason why we're physical distancing, is because our governments asked us to do it because it was deemed by the public health experts as the appropriate response to COVID-19. With that... You can't just throw people... Go ahead, finish your sentence. Yeah, I said, so that's where my head is. Will they do that? I tell you what, my voice is going to be out there, and the advocacy of the organization I lead will be out there. Because I just have a, a, a strong point of view about leadership, right? In tough times, in difficult times, you must respond to the fullest. Well, you certainly couldn't say it any better than that. Mark, I'm going to take our first break. I don't want you to go away. We've got a lot more to talk about. I'd like to open this up to any listener that might want to call in. The number here is 
8.30. Let me pose a difficult question to our listening audience. We're talking to the former mayor of New Orleans, Mark Morial, who is presently the president of the Urban League of the United States. And my question to the listener is, are you optimistic that your government, that your city, your state, can handle this situation as Mayor Morial has stated in our interview so far, or are you worried? And if you're worried, what scares you? I'm Bruce Cook. This is Angels Radio, and we will be right back. Angels Radio, AM 830. If the woman you love, your mom, wife, daughter, sister, partner, or friend, is on a downward spiral from substance abuse and doesn't know where to turn, New Directions for Women can help. It's a Costa Mesa-based addiction treatment facility that has the answer. Since 1977, New Directions for Women has helped more than 5,000 women change their lives, returning them to sobriety, healthy living, restoring love and hope, and providing dignity for them and for their families. Don't waste another day. The woman you love needs your help now. Call New Directions. The number is 888-786-0509. Once again, call 888-786-0509. Or visit them at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. That's New Directions for Women. They know recovery. Introducing the latest and smartest gadget to keep you and your family safe. It's wireless, requires no batteries, and can process information in as little as 13 milliseconds. I'm talking about you. Me? That's right, you. You can keep your family and neighborhood safe by contacting 811 before you plan to dig in your garden or yard to avoid hitting utility-owned underground natural gas lines. Contact 811 at least two working days prior to starting any construction project. To learn more, visit SoCalGas.com slash be safe. Hello, Angels fans. JMG Security Systems is a longtime Angel sponsor with a word of advice. If you've been sitting for a few hours, get up, stretch those muscles, jump on your extra cycle, and get those bones moving again. It may not be the seventh inning, but before you know it, we'll all be coming out of hibernation. JMG looks forward to seeing all of us back at Angel Stadium. Asking for help in life takes bravery. Women addicted to alcohol and drugs know this too well. Most suffer silently while their lives fall apart, their children and families in crisis. For more than 40 years in Southern California, New Directions for Women have helped addicted women recover at our nationally recognized addiction treatment center in Costa Mesa. Our door is wide open. Take the first step. Call us at 888-786-0509 or visit us at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. Again, 888-786-0509. New Directions for Women. We know recovery. Bruce Cook wants to hear from you. Now back to your host, Bruce Cook. 
Angels Radio listeners, I'm Bruce Cook. Tonight, Sunday Night Live on AM830 KLAA. We're speaking with a special guest tonight from New York, the president of the Urban League. His name is Mark Morial, the former mayor of New Orleans. He's got a rational voice and a lot of ideas on how we can survive this COVID-19 city by city, town by town. If you're just joining me on air tonight, I left Mark and my audience tonight with a question about what they think is going to happen in their own town, here in Los Angeles, here in Anaheim, California. What's going to happen? Are we going to get through this? And Mark, if you've been listening to the show, is very confident that we will. And I would like to believe he's right. Um, because, as he has stated for the last 20 minutes on radio tonight, we need to come together. And frankly, in a lot of ways, we have. And I start this next segment, Mark, by asking you to be specific about what you think every town and city needs to do in a uniform basis to reopen. Temperature, taking people's temperatures, keeping people in masks and gloves. What else can they do? And let me let me actually let me ask you this because everybody knows about all that stuff. Do you think regular citizens, you and I and anybody else should be very very vocal if somebody that we come in contact with, a stranger, is disobeying these orders when things start to come up? Should we be I, I don't I don't believe I don't believe in any confrontations. Okay. Confrontations. I think that's why the idea is is that you, we each should protect ourselves. So that's why I think you're going to see masks being worn. That's why I think you're going to see different protocols where we distance ourselves from places, maybe at restaurants and in grocery stores. Uh, I went out to the Home Depot in my neighborhood, and people are in line six feet separated from each other, waiting to go in the store, and they're only allowing a certain number of people in the store at a time to be able to maintain distancing in the store. I think that's going to be a bit of a new normal, uh, at least uh, at the very beginning. That, And I think that, you know, I don't want to see people getting any confrontations. If uh, somebody, let me interrupt, why, let me interrupt you. Myself. Let me yeah. interrupt you on that. If you're standing in that line at Home Depot, and somebody obviously is not obeying the protocol and is endangering others, you wouldn't say something to them? I'm not uh, talking about starting a riot or a fight. So, so, so it depends on how they would disobey the protocol and what approach I would take, right? So at Home Depot, you cannot go in the store without a mask. So therefore, almost everyone I saw in line was wearing a mask. So if someone was in the line without a mask, they're not going to get into the store. Okay. They're not going to be admitted into the store. And that, uh, I went to the CVS, and there was no line outside, but everyone in the store, including everyone uh, working in the store, uh, was wearing a mask. And there were they, they put tape on the floor to separate people six feet apart when they waited in the checkout line and then there was a plastic screen between the cashier and the customer so I think we're going to see measures being taken where I think the challenges are are no cities people that ride public transit 
on buses and trains and subways where it's difficult to maintain the level of distances. There's a there's a really good uh, point. Mark, let me let me break in on that. Some of the most tragic some of the most tragic stories we have heard are bus drivers and train drivers that have contracted the virus and died because passengers were coughing on their buses. Oh, yes. I mean, that just that can't happen anymore, but how do you stop that? Well, every that's why masks are so critical. That's why masks are absolutely critical. And let me say, testing is absolutely necessary, right? And I think you're going to see testing being used in the workplace. Because if I'm an employer and I have people working for me, or if I'm someone, I want to know that someone is not infected. Because if they're infected, they can go self-quarantine themselves. They can go to a physician or go to a hospital if it's severe. Uh, there, there's going to be a new normal, a different way of living, at least for the time being, until we learn, one, can people get reinfected? Two, is there a, a reliable treatment? Three, uh, is there a vaccine? Those are the questions, you know, that I'm asking myself, because until there's a vaccine, and we can absolutely protect ourselves against coronavirus, the risk of, 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 of another spike is going to maintain, or it's going to continue to be with us. Well, we need to take a look at what's happened in Singapore and, and in Japan, two countries that mm-hmm. seem to have beaten the odds, leveled the curve. And now and, it's coming back. And right? now it is coming back. Anyway... Let me get to your other point that uh, we sort of brought up in our first segment, and that was the transportation between states and borders, between cities and counties and communities. If there is not an across-the-board kind of level understanding, which is the core of why you're on the air tonight, talking about mayors of all cities, large and small, having a united front, if that doesn't exist, then how do we maintain a proper uh, protocol for all of these things we're going to have to do to try and prevent the virus from spreading? Well, you've uh, outlined one of the biggest challenges. And one of the issues is, are there going to be travel restrictions or limitations on travel, Uh, which is something that we... That's not something that we in America are either used to or something that's uh, consistent with basically the the freedom of movement that we have and freedom of association we have in our Constitution. Uh, So I think that the governors, what I I like is watching governors in the West work together, governors in the Northeast work together, work together. I understand there's a, there's, a, there's a group of governors in the Midwest that's talking about working together. Uh, but, you know, look, honestly, in the best-case scenario, you would have a stronger level of coordination at the national level. The national coordination has been deficient. It, it just hasn't been what it should be and what it needs to be uh, in these difficult times. But then why can't it ramp up? We've learned the lesson. The Trump administration cannot 
continue to deny they must face up to this. Are they able to do so, in your opinion? One thing that they did do is they released some guidelines. The problem is is that a governor like Brian Kemp in Georgia ignored the federal government's guidelines. So even in an instance where they created a set of guidelines for the reopening, some of the president's closest allies ignored it. And, you know, the issue is, is, you know, to some extent, is his own credibility and voice been damaged because he's been inconsistent and because his public pronouncements have sometimes been bizarre. And people sort of say, well, I can't listen to nor trust, or a large segment of the population says that. Uh, in prior times in American history, uh, whether it was George W. Bush and uh, 9-11, when the country's unification around a response came together to a great extent, George Bush had almost 90 percent, 85 to 90 percent approval ratings. His father during the Iraq War, uh, same thing. And you could find multiple instances with the American people united, it, this, this, we're in a completely different time, even on that score, in how people view the presidency and how people follow or, and trust the presidency. And that's why you see governors and mayors taking a stronger hand, saying, look, I'll listen, I'll hear what they're saying, but if it doesn't work for me, if what the federal government and what the president says doesn't work for me, I'm going to use my judgment to do the best I can do to protect the health and safety of my people. I think I understand that, and I think a lot of my listeners understand that, but it doesn't speak well to your word saying that the Fed has to step up to bring this all together. So I think the future is uncertain given that fact. But let me segue back to what we started talking about. What about in your own state of Louisiana? I understand, and I correct me if I'm wrong, that people are being checked at the borders between the states coming into Louisiana. Is that so? Hmm. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure about that. Uh, I don't have any confirmation of that, but the challenge is tough in Louisiana. Uh, Louisiana is one of those states that's also got severe, severe racial disparities between uh, the population and the number of people who are dying from the virus. Uh, and it, and, and the, But the good news is, is that the governor of Louisiana, John Bellard, which I think is a strong leader and also a level-headed leader, who's guided the state in crisis before. Now, the mayor of New Orleans, Latoya Pantrell, is a no-nonsense leader. She's actually from Los Angeles, uh, but is the mayor of New Orleans because she went to college in New Orleans and remained there, Xavier University, remained there after she graduated. And, and that's the, that the positive thing is the two of them seem to be operating on the same page and in accord with each other. And I think that's extremely important that there be some united front on the local level around steps that need to be taken and when those steps need to be taken. So one of the things is the when. When do you take steps to gradually reopen? And then there's the what you do and how you do it uh, conversation that has to, has to happen. On that note, uh, Mark, we're going to take our, our mid-show break. When we come back, I want to talk about the racial disparity 
that you just brought up and how it's affecting minorities and ask you some tough questions about why and where and what can be done about it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Bruce Cook. This is Angels Radio Live Sunday Night. We're going to take a break and we will be right back. Angels Radio, AM 830. Asking for help in life takes bravery. Women addicted to alcohol and drugs know this very well. Most suffer silently while their lives fall apart, their children and their families in crisis. For more than 40 years in Southern California, New Directions for Women has helped addicted women recover in a nationally recognized treatment facility in Costa Mesa. Their doors are wide open. It just takes the first step. Call New Directions for Women. The number is 888-786-0509. Again, 888-786-0509. You can also visit them at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. New Directions for Women. They know recovery. For 95 years, SIA LTL Freight has hit the road to deliver the goods that keep businesses and communities moving. Now, in this uncertain time, we won't stop going that extra mile. Because at the end of the day, we are all in this together for the long haul. SIA LTL Freight. Driving stability, safety, support, and strength. Visit SIA.com. That's SAIA.com. This is Derek's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. After the third time jump-starting my car, I finally realized my battery was dying. So I stopped by O'Reilly to have it checked. They tested it right there in the parking lot. It was bad, real bad. But they helped me find the right battery for my car and even installed it for free. Now my car starts like new. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. If the woman you love, your mother, wife, daughter, sister, partner, or friend is on a downward spiral from substance abuse and doesn't know where to turn, let us help. New Directions for Women, a Costa Mesa-based addiction treatment facility, has the answer. Since 1977, we have helped over 5,000 women change their lives, returning them to sober, healthy living, restoring love, hope, and dignity to them and their families. Don't wait another day. The woman you love needs your help now. Call us at 888-786-0509 or visit us at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. Again, 888-786-0509. New Directions for Women. We know recovery. To talk to Bruce Cook, pick up the phone and dial 714-283-830. I'm Bruce Cook, ladies and gentlemen. This is Angels Radio, AMA 30, Sunday Night Live. Our guest tonight, the former mayor of New Orleans, Mark Morial, and we're talking we're talking turkey, as as they say, with the tough subject of COVID-19 and how it is how it is ravaging our country and what we're trying to do to fix it. 
My last question to Mark as we end our time together is about the racial disparity that it seems to be afflicting members of the black American society and the Hispanic American society with a greater degree of casualty than other parts of our of our country. When this when this virus came on us in January, February of this year, all the experts said it's really dangerous for persons over 65 and persons with underlying medical conditions. Nobody said anything about minorities. Mark, when did this start happening and what do you attribute it to? You know, I sensed it from the very beginning, uh, and, and there was a lot of denial. There were even rumors floating. You know, fake information floats fast these days that African Americans could not contract the disease. Then the great actor, Idris Elba, uh, contracted coronavirus, and I remember he did a did a social media post that said, "Wake up! This disease can affect everyone." which it does, it affects everyone, but the disproportionate impact means that, uh, that uh, the number of, the percentage of deaths has been higher among African Americans and Latinos than uh, the African and Latino ratio of the population. And that's a function of the fact that these chronic conditions of hypertension, obesity, cardiovascular disease and asthma, while they're prevalent in American society, are much more prevalent in the African-American community for long-standing reasons. And one of those reasons is African-Americans are less likely to have health insurance, a hospital or a doctor in their neighborhood, a primary care physician to go to, and, and because of income, less of an ability to make co-pays on medicine and other therapies when they are prescribed. So they're long-standing, plus the long legacy of racism in this country. So it's all sort of mixed together so that blacks and Latinos, the disease has been more severe. But I want to I keep coming back because I want all the listeners to understand. I'm not saying, and no one should say, well, it means it's a black disease or it's a brown disease because it affects us. No. It affects everyone. We're just, once again, seeing the disproportionality in American life affect this disease. So in places like Chicago, uh, where the community is about 30% African-American, give or take, the number of uh, percentage of deaths is 70% black. Uh, that is a tragedy. Well, it's, it's as you described it, and it's a factor of economic disparity. And I fear that if we don't get this economic thing rolling again in some fashion, as we've been talking about, that economic disparity is going to get worse. Hospitals are already complaining that uh, funds are running out. Service will get worse. I hate to end on a negative note, so I'm going to stop there and give you the last word because I know you're a very positive, look, I just, positive I leader. Thank you. Look, I want to oh, let me tell you what I want to lift up: the healthcare workers, the doctors, the nurses, the nurse practitioners, the nursing assistants, the orderlies, the food service workers, the custodial staffs, the IT staffs, the administrative staff in hospitals across the nation. They've gone to work. They're on the front lines. They've gone to work in a war zone. 
to protect them. They've got to protect themselves and, and administer and minister to people. Let's lift them up. Let's also lift up the people who hold essential jobs. Many government workers hold essential jobs. Now, those that work in the unemployment office, that's an essential job. Police, fire, EMS, those are essential jobs. And I can continue, but I want to lift them up today uh, in solidarity and in strength and in appreciation for the work they do. I also want to say that, by and large, the people of this nation have followed difficult instructions to not go to work, to self-quarantine, and have followed those recommendations, guidances, instructions, and orders voluntarily. And that's a strong sign of the strength of this country. Uh, and I want to lift them up, the, the people of this nation, uh, who are suffering through this and the difficulty of being uh, part of this, uh, this situation. And I want to ask people, certainly, to, to go to the Urban League website, the National Urban League website, look at our COVID-19 page. We're going to continue to be an advocate to fight for people with our voice. Across the nation, we're going to be feeding people. We're administering tests in several locations. Uh, we're going to be there to assist people who are looking for work. Uh, as people are going to be transitioning, some will go back to their old jobs. In some instances, they may not be able to do so. We're going to stand with people, and we're going to fight with people. And it's great to be on. I love Los Angeles. Mark, it's been uh, great having you on. What is the Urban League website? And, uh, Give us the Urban League website before NUL. we... NUL.org. www.nul.org. And for everyone listening in Los Angeles, we have an office, an affiliate in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Urban League. The Los Angeles Urban League. So we've got a presence in Los Angeles, and any of your listeners are close to San Diego, we've got a presence in San Diego, the San Diego Urban League. We've got two great leaders, um, Mike Lawson in Los Angeles, Ray King in uh, San Diego, two great leaders, but nul.org, nul.org. Thank you so thank you so much. It's been a true Thanks pleasure for having me. Look talking to, to you. Getting on with you again, and, and uh, uh, be good. I God will. You. And you too. Stay safe. Thank you, Mark Morial. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take our break and we're going to come back and you're going to meet Katie Alexander. We're switching gears on the same subject. Another tough subject to tackle tonight, but something that will hit home directly. Stay with me. Angels Radio. AMA 30. If the woman you love, your mom, wife, daughter, sister, partner, or friend is on a downward spiral from substance abuse and doesn't know where to turn, New Directions for Women can help. It's a Costa Mesa-based addiction treatment facility that has the answer. Since 1977, New Directions for Women has helped more than 5,000 women change their lives, returning them to sobriety, healthy living, restoring love and hope, and providing dignity for them and for their families. Don't waste another day. The woman you love needs your help now. Call New Directions. The number is 888-786-0509. Once again, call 888-786-0509. Or visit them at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. That's New Directions for Women. They know recovery. 
everyone is trying to do their part, especially now. And your Ford dealer is built to lend a hand. If your vehicle needs service, just call. Ford service centers are essential to your community and are still open. Find out about pickup and delivery options from participating Ford dealers. Plus, they've implemented enhanced cleaning measures for added peace of mind. After all, you have a lot to take care of. Let us do our part and help take care of you. Gelson's Markets thanks our communities for the opportunity to serve you. To make it easier for you to shop while maintaining a distance, we offer early access for seniors and disabled shoppers and monitor entry all day. Gelson's has also added more pickup slots if you prefer to order ahead and let us do the shopping. Visit us at shop.gelson's.com to order pickup or delivery. We are proud to be essential workers serving SoCal. Thank you from Gelson's. Asking for help in life takes bravery. Women addicted to alcohol and drugs know this too well. Most suffer silently while their lives fall apart, their children and families in crisis. For more than 40 years in Southern California, New Directions for Women have helped addicted women recover at our nationally recognized addiction treatment center in Costa Mesa. Our door is wide open. Take the first step. Call us at 888-786-0509 or visit us at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. Again, 888-786-0509. New Directions for Women. We know recovery. Bruce Cook wants to hear from you. Now back to your host, Bruce Cook. It's Sunday Night Live here on AM830 Angels Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Bruce Cook. And we're segueing our show tonight into another very serious subject during the time of COVID-19. And that is the subject of addiction and also abuse as a result of addiction. And specifically, we are targeting the problems with women suffering from abuse and addiction. And joining me now is a young woman named Katie Alexander, who represents New Directions for Women, which is one of our proud sponsors on our broadcast here on Angels Radio, helping women all across Southern California that come to their their residential treatment facility, which is nationally recognized people, for solving problems where women have become addicted to alcohol and drugs with children with family drama, with abuse. Katie Alexander, who's going to join us momentarily, is a first point of contact for people. For women that call in, sometimes their loved ones call in. Maybe it's the husband or a parent or a close friend, or it might even be a child. They call in. Katie takes that first call, and she is the first step to guide them through a process to change their life. At this time, people... This is a really exacerbated problem. Alcohol sales have gone through the roof, 50% more than normal. Drugs are flowing more than normal. And problems are getting worse. So joining me now, Katie Alexander, to get to the heart of it. Katie, are you there? I am. Hi, Bruce. Good evening. Good evening to you. How tough has it been the last couple months? 
You know, it's definitely been different. Um, you know, I think, I mean, that I think with the social distancing, the stay-at-home orders, the travel restrictions, you know, it just left people feeling isolated, fearful, unsure of what to do. Um, you know, we've definitely seen an increase in depression, anxiety, substance use disorder. I mean, we've had uh, calls from people that have had some time sober that have relapsed during this time. And, you know, people that were in active addiction that has definitely gotten worse um, during this time. So we're just trying our best to provide resources and, you know, let everybody know that we're here. They're not alone. We're still, still here to help them. Katie, how does it work if somebody calls in that doesn't know much about New Directions? What's the, what do they typically ask you, and how do you handle that? Well, um, you know, first we, we try to get a, you know, situation, you know, what's going on in their life so that we can best guide them. Because whether it's New Directions or another facility, I mean, we want to help them no matter what. So our goal is, you know, to figure out what's going on, get a little bit of back end, background information to see how we can best support them. Are they willing and, to be candid with you at first or do you have to pull it out of them? Um, that's got to be really tough. Yeah, you know, I think we, I mean, we definitely have to build rapport and let them know that, you know, they're safe with us. Um, you know, some conversations can be long, some can be short. Um, essentially, you know, someone, you know, usually if it's the potential patient that's seeking help, um, you know, they've come to terms that they need help. So they're a little bit easier to navigate through, you know, the process. But if it's a family member, um you know, we find that we've we've got to utilize other resources sometimes, like the, you know, help of an interventionist, um, you know, to try to help prepare the family for, you know, to be able to help their loved one and support them. If someone calls in, either in person or a family member, and the situation seems desperate and dire to you, what resources do you have to reach out to get them face-to-face? You know, we move pretty quick when it comes to this. I mean, obviously, if somebody called me right now and said I need to go somewhere right now, I mean, I, I would jump in my car and go meet them. Um, this is their life, you know. We really do see it that way. And um, this is their life at stake. You know, people die every day from drug and alcohol, you know, use. So, I mean, our goal is to help them immediately. So whatever that looks like, you know, if they're in another state and it makes more sense to, you know, refer them somewhere nearby, if they're able to get on a plane and come down here, um, and we help them through that whole process. So we really do, you know, work closely with them, family members, to, you know, make the process happen quickly. Um, with addiction, you know, you don't want to wait too long. Um, if someone's willing, we want to jump on it. Describe the process once you've made the contact and and talk to the person and they indicate they want to become involved. What are the next steps? You know, we would start with a pre-screen. Um, so basically we would get, you know, some background history, what's going on, um, who the family supports them, um, so that we can best prepare for their arrival. <clears throat> but after the pre-screen, we can schedule admission immediately. So... Whether that involves a flight, uh, we pick them up from the airport, whatever we need to do to help make it happen. Are a lot of your patients from far away or Southern California mostly, or does it make any difference? 
You know, I don't think it makes any difference. I would say that it's, you know, 50% are probably here, 50% out of state. We, we work, I mean, we're nationally recognized, so we really do get people from all over the country. How do they hear about you? How do they know that you're worthy of their time and their, and their cure? How do they know that if they're coming from far away? You know, we have a lot of care partners that we work very closely with as well. I mean, New Directions for Women has been around since 1977. We have, you know, an amazing reputation for helping women of all ages, women with children, pregnant women. We kind of have a unique target. Um, we specifically are women working with women. So, um, you know, I think we've just been around a long time and Due to our reputation, uh, I mean, we get a lot of care partner referrals, interventionists, you know, that we work closely with. And, uh, you mentioned at the top of our talk together that the stress of being at home and confined these last couple months, especially on women with children who might be experiencing financial problems or relationship difficulty with being home with a husband where there's not a cohesive, unified relationship, how does that come into play in terms of the mental stress that leads to more addiction or the start of addiction or relapse? And how can you help to alleviate that, if at all? You know, mothers with children are really um, near and dear to my heart because I'm, I'm a mother. I'm a, a woman in recovery. Um, so I've been there. You know, I love being able to be a part of New Directions for Women that is able to help you know, this specific type of women, women, because there are different barriers for mothers. And, you know, we have a women and children's program. So right now, I, you know, what I hear the challenges are is that, you know, mothers are having a hard time because they're home with their children and they don't feel, you know, maybe they lack uh, support, family support. Um, so we're able to allow them to bring their children with them so that they can access care. We've got an on-site daycare where the children get, you know, to, spend the day, uh, you know, in a daycare environment while the mother gets to, you know, receive the help that she deserves. And that, so being able to eliminate that barrier is huge. That sounds like moms. a major advantage. If the woman yeah. can bring her children, I, I would imagine a lot of places that's not the case. Right, right. Would, would it be out of line if I asked you to share some of your own personal story on how you came from point A to today? And if that is out of line, forgive me, Maybe you could share a story of someone that you've been dealing with in an anonymous way without obviously revealing their name of their personal tale, because that helps people when they hear that. Right. You know, and, and I it's not out of line. I mean, I, I obviously am, am, you know, I'm 15 years sober. I have five children. Uh, when I got sober, I had three. And. So for me, uh, to be able to help these women who may or may not see a way out right now, um, really, like I said, speaks to my heart um, because I, I've been there. You know, I know what it takes to get through it. I know the, um, the guilt and shame that we carry as moms. And to be able to support these women and just let them know, you know, that I mean, I'm, I'm a sign of hope for them, you know, to be able to share um, parts of my story with them that might just save their life and their children, you know. What took and, you down to the bottom, Katie? What what led you to that point? Well, you know, honestly, I mean, in the end, um, 
I didn't have, you know, my mom had my children in the end there. I had nothing left, you know, and I didn't see a way out. And I had this one opportunity to go to treatment and I took it. And you know what? It was just the best decision that I ever made, you know, for my, for my children, for my, for me. I didn't really know that it could get better, um, but I will say that it did. And I have an amazing life today because I did something that was really uncomfortable, you know. I decided to face myself, you know, and figure out how to get to this and get to the other side of it. And 15 and years later, 15 years later, yeah. you're doing great and you're paying it forward. Yeah. Thanks for letting me share that, Bruce. <laughs> I, I really appreciate your doing that. And I hope you'll come back on because I, I'd like to talk to you some more. We're out of time tonight uh, on Angels Radio. But this has been a real, we'll make that same move that you made as a last resort that, that really changed your life and put you on the right road because there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of women that are in trouble. And especially even if they now. Just wanna, yeah, even if they just want to talk, Bruce, I'm willing to talk. If they want to call and just talk to someone, I'm here. So, Well, what a gift that is, especially you've heard it, ladies and gentlemen. She'll get in the car and she'll come to you. If you need her. So men, I got a lot of men that listen to this hour, too. If your wife, your sister, your daughter, your mother, any your friend is suffering, you pick up the phone and call New Directions and get help from Katie or someone there. Katie, what's the number again? It's 949-313-1192. Three one three, one one nine two. I end my broadcast with that, ladies and gentlemen. Katie Alexander, it's been an honor to have you on. Orange County, L.A., Inland Empire listeners to Angels Radio, have a safe week. Stay home if you can. Be safe, be healthy, and come back again next Sunday night. It's always my honor to speak to you on Angels Radio, AM 830, KLAA, Sunday nights at 6 p.m. You've been listening to The Bruce Cook Conversation. Hear The Bruce Cook Conversation on Sundays at 6 p.m. Pacific on AM 830 KLAA. And hear the podcasts of every show on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public.